New Year, everyone, and we are back. Happy New Year. Wow. How about a little excitement? (laughs) Something. (laughs) I mean, I get that our neighbors were not victorious, but we could still have some enthusiasm. Woo. (laughs) No, I'm jesting. I'm seriously kidding. I am super duper excited for 2016. I'm almost ready for 2017. Why? Just Why would you wish an entire year of your life away? Okay, well, how about as I record this, I remember 2015 like it was just yesterday. It was yesterday. See? So you're not excited <laughs> about 2016, which is today? It's in the here and the now? I haven't come up with something to be excited about yet. Oh, see, I we talked earlier today about what your resolutions and goals were for 2016, and I think that that's part of your problem is that you don't make resolutions and goals. My New Year's resolution is the same that it is every year. I resolve to not make a New Year's resolution. And you both fail and succeed at the same time. It is a paradox that you create, and it's a paradox of sadness. If you say so. Well, you are already wishing all of 2016 away, and we are one day into this fantastic leap year. Okay. So should we get to stuff that's happened? Stuff happened? It's all last year. It is so last year. And, you know, hopefully you've all had a chance to listen to and enjoy. Multiple times. At least once. You know, one time is fine. Our end of season wrap up that we we closed up with last year. Well, we ended the year on a fantastic finale. I think so. You know, Valtteri said it was great fun. Hey, it Valtteri. My Valtteri says that it was great fun. It was great fun. Okay. Now, we do have a little bit of... Hey. S- what? Before we jump away from that, speaking of my Valtteri, have you told our listening audience about the TV show that you found? Uh, celebrity... You mean Pointless Celebrities? Pointless Celebrities. I wasn't since it's not available in the U.S., and as so if you've got to find stopped. alternative means to, to watch it. And actually, I believe it's probably been timed out on, on oh. iPlayer anyway. Well, I'm sorry to have mis- mentioned it, but there was a game show um, in the UK that featured our Formula One favorites. It did. Um, they, Though Valtteri wasn't on it. No, Valtteri Bottas was not on it. Uh, BBC has a show called Pointless, which best way to describe it is – family feud without the families and in reverse yes they're looking for not the most popular answer of 100 people surveyed but the least popular better even if they nobody came up with that answer but they had to be correct answers correct that that's the key piece there and they did a celebrity episode that featured um from all Walks of Formula One. We had Alan McNish and Claire Williams. We had Susie Perry and um, Christian Horner. We had Murray Walker and Nigel Mansell. And we had David Cothard and Mark Webber. Yes. Very good. 
thought you were going to pull up short with Mark Webber. Well, you know, it was interesting because they all get to, to introduce themselves and who they're with and all of that. And Murray Walker, who, again, not a name that most American fans know. Um, UK fans know Murray very well because he commentated for F1 and Autosport for something like 40 or 50 years. Um, but Didn't he just only recently retire when he got sick? Um, well, he still occasionally does bits for the BBC. They they will, I don't think they will ever let him completely <laughs> fade off. And I don't think Murray will, will completely fade off into the sunset. But it was, I want to say, well, it was the most recent time that BBC got their coverage that Murray stopped mm. commentating. So 2010, I think. Okay. May have been about when he retired, but he introduced himself as a retired advertising executive. Yes, <laughs> which was very funny to me. Yeah, Nigel Mansell introduced Murray as his dad. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, your girlfriend was on the show. Yes, Claire Williams was, and she was partnered with Alan McNish. They did very well. They did, but they did not win the grand prize. But knowing how short Alan McNish is, yeah. your girlfriend Claire, not, not very tall. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if she was wearing heels, too. I think she was. <laughs> she, she's not tall. <laughs> Unlike the tall people over on the uh, David Cothard and uh, Mark Webber team. Yes. To which uh, Christian Horner could not help but toss a few barbs about how, uh, you know, when they started at Red Bull and and he cuz he's been with the team since the team started. When they started Red Bull, they didn't win very well, very much because well, that was his pair of drivers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I'm sorry to have dis- derailed this, but I just remember thoroughly enjoying it. So if you do ever somehow possibly in the, you know, webverse or something, find um Pointless Celebrities F1 Edition. You might want to check it out. All right. Well, we do have some unfortunate news to kick off. Well, depends on your viewpoint. I was going to say, I think there are some people that are a little excited by this. Um, You know, New Year's Eve last year, on Twitter, there was this surprise announcement that came out. It was a... a, uh, post that came on Jensen's Twitter feed wishing all of his fans a happy new year from Mr. and Mrs. Button confirming that him and his at the time longtime girlfriend Jessica Michibata had gotten married yes and just before Christmas this year we got word that they were splitting up these are things that I don't understand and it's very amicable. Well, that I'm very happy about. Okay. But I don't understand how you can be with someone for years and years and years. And they had been together for a very long time, like six years or so. Well, they, they had first met in 2008, split up for a while in 2010, and then got back together. Okay. Um, the thought or the theory here is that um, it's basically the schedules. Oh. Because she has quite a few contracts 
uh, for uh, modeling in Japan. Mm. And as much as Jensen likes Japan, he doesn't get to spend a lot of time in Japan. And the thought is the pressure of his schedule and her schedule possibly was the issue. Okay. The question I have with that is, okay, they've been dating that we know of continuously for the last five years, four before they got married. And the schedules aren't any different. Right. So why now? And the reality is his schedule is not going to be the schedule forever. Yeah. So you accept and you deal with it for a couple of more years. Especially given the lifestyle that allows the two of them to live. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, granted, not she's like, not a poor woman either, but still. <laughs> it's not like they're scraping pennies together to say, oh, let's go fly and meet somewhere on an off weekend that we might randomly have tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, they have the ability to go do that. As, as, as a half of a couple that have lived separate schedules and had issues like that that didn't break up a marriage, I have to say, you figure it out. And we certainly did not have the finances to fly off to anywhere we wanted to, to meet up. Or, or for, you know, one of us to just say, yeah, to heck with it. We're going to just follow you around for a couple of weeks because we can. Right. And, you know, stay in the five-star hotels and all of that in the process. You know, I have obviously done myself a disservice. <laughs> I could follow people around and stay in five-star hotels. I'm okay. sure you could, too, especially if it was Claire. Yeah, well, there's that, just like you would if it was Jensen. So. Well, yeah. I wonder if I should give him a call. You'd be okay with that, right? <laughs> yes, give him a call because I know he's on your speed dial. Whatever. <laughs> Well, the problem is he'd be very upset with me about my current crush on Valtteri. Yeah, that'd be an issue, too. I know. But Jensen probably makes more money. Probably does. But Valtteri's got youth and blue eyes on his side. True. <laughs> the anyway. Jensen's taller. We could do this all night, and it will very much annoy you. <laughs> we could, and it would probably also frustrate people. The few fans that we have... <laughs> That is not an audience building maneuver. Okay. <laughs> I will go back and focus on F1. So again, our next story is, well, it's important to us. For the average American fan, this doesn't mean a whole lot. For the UK cried. fan, for the UK fan, they may be a little upset by this. But it was announced uh, two weeks ago, and we knew that something was up when we talked about this, that BBC was looking to get out of their contract. Mm -hmm. Now, the rumor we had had before we had gone on vacation was that ITV was going to take it on, which would have worked okay for us. Right. But out of nowhere, nobody expected this. The UK Formula One coverage, the free Formula One coverage, is moving to Channel 4. Yeah. So what's basically, and, and this is a, it's an odd setup here, I think. Okay. Okay. The BBC has exited out of their contract three years early. Wow. Because they were, it was supposed to expire at the end of 2018. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so they were looking to, or BBC was looking to save 
35 million pounds. So as a result, F1 was, was cut off. Um, Channel 4 will take over and will air the 10 live races that uh, BBC was airing, and they have committed to airing it commercial-free. Because unlike uh, the BBC, Channel 4 is not a commercial-free broadcaster. So the races, I'm, I'm sure their they're pre- and post-race coverage, much, much like Sky, will be interrupted by commercials. But the race coverage will be uninterrupted. That is cool. And, and Take the, note, NBC Sports. NBC Sports. And there was some precedent for doing this because apparently uh, prior to the BBC getting it, uh, ITV did have coverage, but it wasn't commercial-free. And there had been times at very tense, heated parts of races that ITV turned around and cut away from the action and went to commercials and pissed off a lot of fans. Listen, BBC Sports. NBC Sports. Or, excuse me, NBC Sports. Thank you. Call out the right people yes, that are I screwing it that. up. I should so do that. right now on our list of uh, F1 coverage, I don't want to use the well, the actual word, poo list, um, hmm. is NBC Sports, BBC Sports, <laughs> followed by our new favorite people over at Channel 4. And our second favorite people over at Sky Sports. Well, you know, we, we have to see how the Channel 4 coverage plays out. You know, we, we can't get Channel 4's coverage the way we normally do mm -hmm. um, for the BBC coverage. So we will see how that shakes out. Um, it's going to be highlights for the non-live races. And the next question is, who's going to anchor the coverage? Yeah, that's a big question because I'm going to miss Susie if she goes away well, and too tight pants Cothard. The the names that are being tossed around right now, and again, these are just rumors. We won't know anything for another month. Is David Cothard and Lee McKenzie? Ah. Now we've heard Lee McKenzie's name tossed around before. Before uh, Susie Perry was named uh, to take over the coverage over there. I don't know. What we do know is that apparently BBC is a, rather hesitant to let go of Lee McKenzie. Uh, they're using her for several other sports packages. So mm. we don't know who may come in, and fill the gap. Well, that's the other question is what else is Susie Perry doing that whether or not that they would go over. I mean, that's how we lost Bob Varsha. Yeah. Um, and along the same lines, BBC has announced that while they're letting go of the Formula One TV coverage, their radio coverage, because BBC also simulcasts the races on their uh, on Five Live, which is their sports radio station, and they do the podcast. They are retaining those rights. Every one of those races they simulcast live. Mm. with commentators, with pre- and post-race coverage, with their podcasts that they do. They're retaining all of that. So you have to assume that Jenny Gow is going to stay over there. James Allen, or not James Allen, Alan McNish has been doing the uh, commentary for the races. You've got to assume that Allen's going to stay with Five Live. Right. So there's still going to be a sizable BBC presence at the races. Now, the one person we have heard from over this who has given his opinion is Eddie Jordan. 
the man of the bright shirts. Um, he is extremely upset. He has called the decision both insensitive and gut-wrenching. Okay. Can we just stop for a quick second? Okay. I want to hear Eddie's feelings about it. And I really do care because I find Eddie to be a very smart man mm-hmm. and all of those things. But can you please tell me a time that Eddie's reaction to something hasn't been on one of the two ends of the extremes? Does he ever say something is meh? <laughs> it's always, it's heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and awful and horrid or it's brilliant and thrilling and exciting and phenomenal it's never meh you're right but there's a very good reason for this okay well especially like I said, if I you wanna... hear the story and what I... he's got to say i want to hear what he has to say um for starters he says this is a huge shock even though it had been talked about It's utterly devastating. The week of Christmas is not the time to hear this, compounded by the fact that it's not long since a lot of the team had left London and relocated to Salford at the whim of the BBC. People have moved families to new houses and children to new schools, and we're just getting settled in Salford when they get this bombshell. Ouch. Yeah. Um, He said that, the BBC had come to the team, and it's about a 60-person team who's involved in putting together the entire production there, came to him a couple of months ago and said, don't worry about it. It's not going anywhere. We're keeping it. Mm. Picked him up, moved him out, out of London, moved, had everybody move home, and now turn around and pull him out, pull the rug out from under him. So, yeah, there's a really good reason for him to turn around and call this insensitive and gut-wrenching. Yeah. Um. He said they feel that senior he, he said he spoke to, to several of the folks on the team. Um, they, the feeling within the team is that uh, senior management has not really batted on their behalf. He says he feels for them. Uh, having said that, the BBC has given him an amazing seven years and he's got the TV bug. Um, he says he's at the twilight of his career and wouldn't rule out anything for the future if it gives me a buzz. Mm. Um, he says he's always spoken as he sees things when he worked for the BBC. And as a result, it's only fair that he does the same when he's talking about the BBC. So, yeah. Wow. There's also a question of how much BBC actually uh, is going to save from this move. Well, <coughs> I'm sorry. I was going to wonder that question, too, because if they're still retaining parts of the rights, A, what does that tell you about what Bernie's extortion fee is? But B, they're still going to employ so many of those people because a lot of them didn't do exclusively F1. It's, it's not even so much that. It's the fact that in order to get out of this contract three years early, mm-hmm. they had to pay a fee to Bernie – a termination fee. Correct. I'm sure. And, you know, how close was that to the 35 million pounds that they were looking to save by cutting F1 in the first place? Well, was it 35 million pounds a year? Or was it just 35 million pounds total? All, all we know is that there is a 35 million pound hole in their budget that they were told that they need to cut costs. Okay. So my theory is that it's probably a 35 million pound a year. Which, you know, that's if they over three years, even if you paid a one year fee to get out of it, mm-hmm. they're saving 70 million pounds 
in the three years. But yes, it's still going to cost them. They're not going to save 35 times three. They'll save 35 times two if that's the way the budget goes for it. My concern is, it, is it really going to be a $35 million sa- million pound savings? And, and I don't know. Now, the other thing that a lot of the folks have said about this whole move is that by Bernie's magnanimous gesture to allow the BBC out of their contract and to ensure that there is still free to broadcast Formula One within the UK, because again, this really only impacts the UK, that this truly shows Bernie's commitment to making sure that there is free to air F1 coverage and how important that that is to him, to which I say, bull. Um, I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit there. <laughs> um, I think even the BBC said this, among others. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, if they're uh, short of him forgiving a termination fee, short of him making sure that Channel Four has got the rights at a low price, so that they could continue the free-to-air coverage then nothing that he's done is magnanimous. Well, it, it's not even that. Regardless of whether he gets chan- gives Channel 4 the bargain basement price or the same extortion price he wants to charge everybody else, the truth is he gets a fee the more companies broadcast F1. Right. Period, the end. Right. But if he doesn't... You know, this idea of, well, letting the BBC out of the contract. If they exercised a clause in the contract that allowed them to get out of the contract, he's not letting them get out of the contract. Letting them get out of the contract, by definition, is if you and I have a contract that says I pay you $5 a year to 2020, and in 2015 I say, look, I can't afford to pay you $5 every year, and you say, that's okay, we're good. You don't owe me $25 for the $5 a year from 2015 to 2020. Yeah. That's magnanimous. Magnanimous does not mean I'm going to make you pay a termination fee and then I'm going to turn around and get my coverage elsewhere. Yeah. Get my money from somebody else and let them take over your spot. Yeah, that that's not the way that works. Yeah. <laughs> so... Ferrari has come out and admitted something that we all kind of expected. They 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 admitted something? They admitted something. Um and it was I believe Sergio Marchionne who came Yeah, it was Sergio Marchionne who came out and said that in essence we that Ferrari was extremely concerned and actually afraid of giving new modern engines to Red Bull because of how competitive they felt that Red Bull would be. They did not want to impact the Scuderia's competitiveness. Okay, hang on a second while I digest my shock. Okay, I'm done. I am not shocked. I, I, I'm not shocked at that they were afraid of Red Bull coming in. I'm more shocked that they admitted it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they admitted it has to make you wonder, 
if you are a customer team, why you're still with Ferrari. Because it says that if you get too good, Ferrari's going to look to dump you. Ferrari does not want you to win. And if you're in Formula One, should that not be the goal of why you're participating as a team, is to win and to be successful. And if your engine supplier doesn't want you to win and be successful, why are you partnering with them? Well, I agree with you a thousand percent. But for the fact that we have teams that are customer teams, Mm -hmm. the reality is that unless you have a manufacturer that isn't got it isn't how about i use english if you have a manufacturer an engine manufacturer that does not have a personal stake in a different team you cannot be successful in f1 why would i produce an engine to compete with myself customer teams are already going to have one arm tied behind their back and we know this we know that the only reason red bull was highly competitive and highly successful the four years that they actually won the world championship was because Renault had no other they didn't have their own team in Red Bull was the works team it was the works team works teams are gonna win championships now the fact that you know Ferrari has actually said this out loud and in public and you know did somebody elbow him and go hey that was your out loud voice stop that (laughs) I don't know But the reality is you're going to have works teams winning championships and customer teams figuring out how to be good enough to become a works team. I.e. Lotus being now bought by Renault, which I heard they got the keys to the factory. Yes, that deal is apparently now done. We should hear also in February what delivery will look like, who will be the management team. Um, Two at least interim directors have been named one of which is Cyril Abitabul, who was in charge of Renault Sport. Mm. Now it, he will be taking on, at least for the time being, a director position with the team. But uh, full staff announcements are pending. See, I mean, that's what you can hope for. That That's what you've got to look forward to. But the problem is the economics are such that you, you'll you never have a situation where every team is a works team. No, you can't have a, every team. Which means you will never have a situation where teams will not be competing with one hand tied behind their back. No, you won't have that situation. But what you're going to wind up with is a situation where the bottom-end teams can help feed some uh, development information and develop drivers. Yeah, um, to the top end teams. Not that I'd ever consider Williams a development team, but Williams, who has won world championships, is a phenomenal team. If unless they have got an incredibly close relationship with Mercedes, is again going to be tied behind one arm tied behind their back. But then you turn around and you look at Haas Racing, which is basically going to be Ferrari's junior team, mm-hmm. and we're going to be looking at. Um, Manor Marusho's newest version that's going to become a Mercedes junior team. And I think that's how you're going to round out your grid. And you're going to have, I mean, it, it, it gets down to that thing that they talk about being a bad thing, but the reality is it's a real thing. You have two series. You have the top end series and you have mid-pack back series. 
And there's no points for the mid-pack back, but they're still doing good jobs. And they're still doing good work. And they're still making it part of the show. And everybody loves an underdog at some point. Okay. I, I could see that. It just, if you're not there to win, it makes you wonder why you're there. Well, I think everybody hopes that they could win at some level. Even if winning is defined by doing better than you did last time. I mean, quite frankly, you look at the fall of McLaren. If McLaren can fall so hard, what makes it so impossible that a back marker team couldn't rise just a little? Rise just a little, but how likely is it that a back marker team, and, and you know, we say that now, uh, but things may be about to change at the back with, with the, the new engines coming out. Uh, and and again, 2017, a new engine in the in the works, a new set of rules, a new a new world changes everything. Remember, two years ago, three years ago now that it's 2016, Mercedes wasn't on the front. They were a mid pack team. That year was the year that Lewis Hamilton announced he was going to Mercedes, and everybody thought he was nuts. Why would you go from McLaren to a mid-pack team? A team that even Schumacher couldn't put on the podium. Three years ago. Yeah, I said three years ago. Schumacher had failed to get get that team on a podium. Schumacher, the almighty Schumacher, couldn't make that team any better. Right, but Lewis moved to the team in 2013. Correct. 2012, he was still at McLaren. Right. And should have been much closer to the front if it wasn't for McLaren's own missteps. Right. Well, McLaren has its own issues of not getting out of its own way. But 2014, we get a new engine, and our mid-pack team goes to, oh, right, domination. Well, that that's what an engineering program and a works program will do for you. Yep. So, some good news. Potentially good news. There has been, and I don't completely understand the laws and, and, and why this was an issue before, but there has been a change to the Italian laws which m- paved the way for Monza to retain its races. Really? Essentially what's been done is that the new law or the change to the law, it's an amendment that's being made to existing Italian law, uh, that allows the Automobile Club of Italy to use its finances to fund the race. Oh, okay. Now, I don't know who was paying for it before and why the Automobile Club of Italy couldn't do it based on Italian law. But because of that, this change, they now can, and they're going to be working with uh, the Automobile Club of Milan, who actually owns the track through a company called SIAS, to actually fund everything. Um this isn't completely set in, stu- set in stone yet. Negotiations are in place. Again, the track wants to have this go through the end of at least 2022 because 2022 is the track's uh, centenary year. Right. So that's their hope, but they're in negotiations, and I guess the major stumbling block to fund- funding has been raised now. Well, that's outstanding news. I think that's great news. Yes, it's fantastic news. We'll see what happens and what Bernie will allow to occur. Of course. 
because it all comes down to that. Um, it's expected that uh, talks with Bernie are will be taking place this month. Now, who will continue to wait for a decision? Nico Rosberg. Nico? Toto Wolf has come out and has said that, you know, the lineup that they've got right now is great. Uh, both of them are, and he's talking about both Lewis and Nico, uh, talking that both of them are a major part of the team and responsible for getting the team to where we are today. But he says it's early to discuss Nico's contract. He wants to see how the season pans out. Nico's contract is set to ex- expire at the end of the year. Correct. Lewis is signed until 2018, till the end of 2018. Well, we've always said that Nico was uh, the ability of him being signed after the 2016 is a question mark. There's a couple of reasons why it would be in Toto's best interest to not sign Nico right away. Not the least of which is to know who else might be on the market for a team. I mean, could we be bringing up a young Max? Could we steal a Valtteri? I mean... Could you steal a Valtteri? Um, what happens with, with Pascal Wehrlin? Because yeah. it sounds like he is still on the inside track to get a seat over at uh, the new Manor. I'm assuming Manor Mercedes is going to be their name. mm He's still on the inside track for that. Who knows? So I think that Toto's leaving his door open because he does have the potential of having a seat open for 2017 if he doesn't renew Rosberg. And quite frankly, if we look at Rosberg's performance, which he's an excellent driver, and don't ever misunderstand me that I'm not saying that he's a great driver. He is a very good driver. He's an inconsistent driver. And... and just to, to further back up your statement there. And I know these shows are no longer available. But if you go back to 2013 and statements that you made on the previous version of this podcast where you referred to a Nico Rosberg as one of the most underrated drivers on the grid who basically toiled away in the shadow of Michael Schumacher I did say that. You did. I did. Did you actually go back to try to pull that piece of footage? No, I didn't. Okay, I said that. I greatly admit that I said that. I think he was an underrated driver in 2013. I believe in 2013 you had even tapped him to beat out Lewis in the points. I don't think he did, but you tapped him to beat out Lewis in the points. I have to tell you that off the starting grid and – Melbourne in 2013, Nico Rosberg looked phenomenal. He did. Mm -hmm. And I do hold that he had lived in Schumacher's shadow. I think that he was held back by the previous iteration of the Mercedes team and not allowed to shine and race the way he has matured into a racer. I also remember at the same time, there was another driver that I was really hot on too, I think it was another Nico. You know, Hulkenberg's issue is that he can't get into a car that really allows mm-hmm. him to showcase himself. But truly. 
I think that my problem with Nico Rosberg, 2013 was the first time I ever even noticed him because he was so in the shadows. Yeah. So granted. But I think the problem that we've seen in 2014 and 2015 with Nico is that he is inconsistent. He is an, a fantastic driver, but he can't keep it going. And I think that that's part of the problem. And I think Lewis suffered from inconsistency. I'm not saying that he's practically perfect. He's not Mary Poppins on the grid. He is. Lewis finally figured out how to get out of his own head and to stop being so driven by the outside world and go and do his job and drive. And that's what's made him focused and a two-time back-to-back world champion. That's what's changed. Nico doesn't have the consistency for that. And I think Toto is looking for somebody that has a bigger spark and more of a drive than Nico does right now. You, you know, I think for the first half of the season, much of the first, not the entire first, but much of the first half of the season, I think Nico wasn't as sharp. Mm-hmm. He was definitely out there and performed extremely well but i don't think he was as sharp as he could have been and definitely not as sharp as he needed to be where he found that at the end of the season he found it too late and that's every every commentator has said that honestly i think he had to wait till his kid was born i think he was worried about his wife because she was so sick at the beginning of the season i think that affected him I, i think that was part of it because because his, the first time he won was when she showed up at the track. Well, there there was that. There was also that he really didn't take off until about a month or two after the baby was born. Mm-hmm. Maybe three. So I, I think, think that that may have been part of it. I think. I mean, you're a dad. You know how it is. It changes your life. And, and we have seen with several drivers that their driving style and their attitude on the track and the way they drive on a track seems to have been impacted by the birth of a child. Romain. He's one of them. Um, There's been talk that Kimmy's driving has also changed, possibly not for the better. Um, Honestly, and I hate to say this in my out loud voice, but I think Kimmy's aging out. He needs to. Um, you know, we were surprised that Ferrari retained him. I'm wondering if that was more a strategic move than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how that pans out. But I, I don't think that he's going to be around for 2017. I, I, I think it is time. I just, I think it's time. And I think we're going to start seeing some of the elder statesmen start to bow out. I, I think the pool is there. Mm-hmm. And definitely the young talent is coming up that really is hungry and deserves some of those top seats. I, I, the 2017 should be, well, the end of 2016 into 2017 should be an interesting year for the driver's market. I think, Michael, you have just made your first prediction for the 2016 season. You have just predicted the silliest of silly seasons this year. Could be. We'll have to. That may be one of the questions that we have for our prediction show: is who will be moving on this year? Ooh, 
we have to come up with our predictions, but our, our questions. What drivers will be retiring this year? I, I think there's three potential retirements this year. Would all three of them be former world champions? Yes. I know who you're thinking. I think most of the world knows who <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> so is that all of your stories? Because I have a question for I, you. I have one last one. Okay. Um, Roberto Mary has come out and said that um, – he wishes to be a paid driver for in 2016. Well, who doesn't? Not a paying driver. Um, as a matter of fact, apparently he raced for free at Manor <laughs> in 2015. Poor kid. Poor kid. Um, based on his performance, I think uh, Manor may not have gotten a deal. Wah, wah. They got what they paid for? Yeah, pretty much. And he wants to move up to being paid. Well, at the very least, he's hoping that he can get a test position with a team. Because I don't see him getting a reserve position, that's for sure. He could probably get parked in a test position. I mean, he could be. But there, I don't There know. has to be a team that wants to develop him. Right. And that's the thing. He's already been on the grid. We've seen better drivers fall off the grid Yep. That we're in backmarker teams, and Kamui is the first one that comes to mind. I, You know, I don't think we're going to see Kamui back at, at F1. F1 again. Th there's there's other drivers. I mean, you'll see Adrian Sutil, I think, before you'll see Kamui come back. And, hell, I think you'll see Adrian Sutil back in a seat before you'll see Roberto Mary in a seat. Yeah. But Kamui actually, you know, did well in his in his time in Formula 1. Depending on the team, yes. Right. <laughs> but he had some success. So, you know, I can't say that Roberto had success. Wasn't no, he, he consistently out? Uh, yes, Will Stevens almost con consistently beat him every single race. Go Will. And considering that Rossi replaced Mary, probably because Rossi was able to raise the funds, and then pretty consistently beat Stevens. <laughs> I think really there's your tier of who's more likely to get a seat. I know. Just saying. So. That's all I got. All right. So I have a question for you. Okay. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. Did you get good presents? Was Santa particularly good to you? I think he was okay. So what would you have thought if you had gone out a couple of hours shopping something or other and came back home to find a replica Formula One track in slot car under our bed. Which track? You know, I don't know. That was not in the story. Under the bed? Under the bed. Under the bed I could handle. On top of the bed, not so much. <laughs> My bed's important to me. I have to sleep. <laughs> I'm well, not sleeping on the couch for the sake of a slot car. Well, that is exactly what happened to a young British couple, one young British wife. She took her two daughters out for a shopping trip in two hours, two hours. The husband, who is self-described as a big kid himself, took the Skeletrix slot car track that his parents had bought the girls for Christmas <laughs> and set it up underneath in the storage area underneath their bed. 
the husband and wife's, not the girls. Hmm. Now, it is an Ikea bed that has underbed storage, so it's got that flip up okay. piece. He even, he had been hatching this plan for some time. Obviously. He got his wife to move her shoes that had originally been stored under the bed <laughs> for his grand plan. And then, not telling a soul, I tell you. Then, as he's doing this on about the 27th of December, he takes down Christmas lights from the banister of their staircase to light the underside <laughs> of the platform piece of the bed to provide light for his racetrack. Well, you it needs to be well lit. No, actually, it shouldn't be too well lit, though, If as long as the cars have headlights, because that's kind of cool. Well, yes, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, Christmas lights, or as they call them, fairy lights in England. I am a grown-up. I don't sleep on top of slot cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, just don't even take this as a life choice here. <laughs> it depends. Which track was it? don't know. It kind of looks a little like Abu Dhabi, personally. Yeah, see that one I could pass on. It's a it was a it was a good twisty track, but it was a Formula One track probably done to about the size of a queen size bed. <laughs> there's there was there was pictures in the article. You too could read this entire thing if you read the Daily Mail, because that is a fine piece of journalism, I'm telling you. It's the Daily Mail. <laughs> exactly. Not I mean it, journalism and daily mail daily news new york post they're all about the same general level of journalistic excitement hey this was an important story i just needed to share with you the level of insanity that is out there all righty just, you know, so I don't ever come home to a Skeletrics track under my bed. There's more room under the boy's bed. Yes. Convince the boy to sleep on top of the Skeletrics slot car track. That would be fine. Oh, by the way, apparently mm -hmm. the kids who are three and five, both girls, a whole motor motorsport family, they love this setup and go in there and race and all that kind of stuff. With their parents, and apparently mom and dad have raced late at night themselves after the kids have gone to bed. Mom apparently always loses. <laughs> anyway. All righty. Well, on that note, because we do have um, a camera over in the test lab, but since we have not finished testing it yet because we need to see how Trisha's pictures came out. <laughs> <laughs> We We've done half the testing. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to wrap a little early, and maybe next week we will have uh, something come out of the test lab. And something should start coming out of the test lab. We just got to figure out what. Well, it would probably be the Olympus EPLP6 Micro Four Thirds camera. Doesn't that say yeep? I didn't name it. <laughs> you bought a camera that's named Eep? No, it'd be more like Eeple. E-P-L. Oh, Eeple. Eeple, Eeple. Anyway. 
Okay. But yes, I had great fun taking pictures with it. So we should definitely do a review of it. So uh, just a reminder, you know, since it's been a few weeks since we've had a show that we have the website, it, it, I think it looks cleaner now. <laughs> Over at www.thebloatheaper.com. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but I think it looks cleaner now. <laughs> yeah. You know, best text of 2015. I think I deleted the website. I didn't. Del- no, it wasn't that I deleted the website. I, think I broke the website, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't delete it. Never said I deleted it. Um, you know, we'd love. We didn't get any feedback over that show last our last show they heard we were on vacation i worked hard on that so you know i'd like to hear how you did and uh if you're a copyright lawyer for the bbc or sky sports we don't want to hear from you but other than (laughs) yeah there are people that we don't want to hear from um other than that you know remember uh you can always chat with us over on facebook at uh the bloke and a bird show and you can find us on iTunes. We'd love to get a review. And also over on Stitcher. Yes. And uh, on that, I think we will call it a show. Yes. Yeah.